You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. With so many streaming devices out there today, what sets Roku apart? Roku players are made for one thing, to get you the entertainment you want quick and easy. That means a simple home screen with your favorites front and center, channels like iHeartRadio that launch in a snap, and curated selections of TV for when you only sort of know what to watch. Not to mention all the free TV you can stream, including over 300 free live channels on the Roku channel. Find the perfect Roku player for you today at Roku.com. Happy streaming. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is the Anxiety Bites podcast, and I am your host, Jen Kirkman. Welcome to another episode of Anxiety Bites. I am your host, Jen Kirkman. Today, I am talking to Dr. Sharon Orange. She is an associate professor of medicine at Keck USC, and she also has a private practice um, as an internist. And I have linked to an article that she wrote. I've linked to it in the show notes about what anxiety looks like in older adults and in the elderly. A lot of you had emailed me that you would love to do, well, you would love to listen to an episode about anxiety in the elderly because I think a lot of us noticed maybe some changes in our parents or older family members, older friends, older people in our life during the early lockdown parts of the pandemic. And then of course, still continuing on to today as certain things that we may take for granted that tend to help us cope with everyday anxiety and, you know, lift our moods is, is social interactions, a lack of isolation, obviously being free of disease or free of fear of disease. And I think all of us experienced an uptick of that and still are as the pandemic still goes on. But I think for the first time, a lot of people realized, oh, I don't know how to talk to my parents or anyone elderly in my life about their anxiety. And so I thought I would definitely make this episode happen. And I'm glad that I did. Um, so I talked to Dr. Sharon Orange about everything that she's noticed from, from working with patients. Again, she's a, not a psychiatrist, but she works as a medical doctor and has a ton of insight into how anxiety presents in the elderly population. Something that, I don't know, this might make you feel better about, you know, 
if you get to live to an older or elderly age, that anxiety in terms of generalized anxiety disorder or certain phobias and panic disorders, that tends to sort of just start to go away as you get older. And it's very rare that an elderly person would suddenly develop panic disorder. And it all has to do with just the way that our body ages and that, you know, in layman's terms, things just tend to slow down and they're not as reactive. And so you have that to look forward to. If, you know, there's other things about getting older you're not looking forward to. Well, if you're a panicky person, it might start to lessen. But this is a great episode because, again, you may be elderly yourself someday. You may be elderly right now listening to this, or you may have someone in your family that you want to talk to about their anxiety that you've noticed. And obviously you're doing that because you love them and you want them to realize that there's help out there. But a lot of times we can push people away that we care about by our approach. And so our homework is understanding and learning about how best to approach this topic with somebody as you try to get them the information that you think they need about anxiety. So this is a good primer on how to do it, what to look for, and maybe learning about what someone older or elderly is and probably isn't going through when you think about their anxiety. So I'll just stop talking and we'll get right into the episode. Hope you learn as much as I did. the people who wrote in their parents are not saying I have anxiety. What do I do? It's like the parents are doing nothing about it. They're probably not even admitting it from what I can gather from these letters. And so, I mean, just starting there before we get into all the details of elderly people and anxiety, it's kind of tough to start with. How do we help people that may not want it, think they need it? You know, where, where would you even begin if someone has anxious parents? How do they broach that conversation? So that is exactly the right question. And, and your listeners are right to be confused by it. And they're also right to want to get involved. And here's why. Only one in five older adults brings up mental health concerns to any professional. So any, mm. their primary care doctor or mental health professional. So only one in five will initiate the conversation on their own of our older adults over 65. So family members are right to want to get involved, but it's tricky. I mean, as you you just hit the nail on the head, it's hard to talk to an older person about their mental health, particularly if it was someone that you've always looked up to and relied upon. And the flip side of that is for my older folks when we're in the office, you know, they also worry that that their family members are going to lose faith in them if they see that they're mm-hmm. not coping. So it's it's two-sided. And I think for family members who realize, yes, I need to initiate the conversation because my older parents not going to do it on their own. Yeah. It's obvious to be patient and compassionate and talk openly with them about what you think is going on. The mistake that we make is, is to try and help and not respect their independence. So the biggest mistake mm-hmm. I see, and I take care of families is mom, you're depressed. You need to see your doctor and you need something for it mom, you have anxiety, dad, you have anxiety and it's a problem and you need to go fix it. So, and trust me, like that's my instinct too with my parents. And we really have to control that because that's not effective. Yeah. It's tough because I mean, for me, I have a good relationship with my parents. They're 83 and that's how we talk. There's no warming up, gently talking the way I might be a little more formal with someone I don't know very well. And, you know, I don't know. I'm sure not everyone has this kind of informality with their parents, but that's you know, I just don't have time to be like, so how are you feeling? You know, I would just be like, oh, that's anxiety. You've always had it. You know. So you're exactly right. And I think that you have to just retrain yourself to, to come in, you know, to focus on the changes you've noticed and to come in and say, I care about you. I'm worried. These are the things I've seen. You don't seem like yourself. You seem more tired than usual. I notice that your sleep seems disrupted. You're irritable. You have to come at it that way because you and I, Jen, have the same instinct to come and problem solve. You have anxiety. You need to take a medication for it. But (laughs) it's not going to work because I I take care of the older folks and I hear from them. It's not going to work that way. So we really have to say, hey, mom or dad, having anxiety or depression is like any other health issue and it'll affect how you feel. I'm not sure what's going on, but I think there are treatments available. 
let's go see your doctor together and talk about it. This is more of a comment than a question, but it's odd, I guess is the word that, you know, most people under, I'll just say under 50, most kids of parents who are still alive and these kids that are under 50, we have a totally different relationship to mental health. It's still nowhere near as less stigmatized as it needs to be, but we, I know for a hundred percent fact, we would not lose faith in our parents if they had anxiety. We would not see it as a sign of weakness. And, and at the same time, I mean, as parents get older, we do lose the normal amount of faith in them. Like they're not going to help me move, you know, <laughs> it's like right. there, there's things they can't do anymore. I don't expect them to cook a full Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, but, um, so in that sense, it's too bad that I guess they feel that way. Not odd. It's too bad because if anyone's going to understand, it is this generation of adult children. Absolutely. And the way we speak about and think about mental health is much different than our older parents. And and so if talking about feelings is difficult for the older person, and I can tell you from doing this for 21 years, it is, we just have to change the focus a little bit. And I know it's not our instinct, Jen, as, and I'm older than you, but as are the younger generation, but we really have to reframe it and come to them and say, mom or dad, how can I help you? You know, can I do the shopping for you? I'm here. You've taken care of me for so long. I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. We can't come in and go, how are you feeling? Do you think you have some anxiety symptoms? It's just <laughs> not going to be the effective way to do it. It's, you know, or at least not as a starter. I think we need to start and change the focus from feelings to sort of the problems you've noticed and how you want to solve the problems really objectively. You know, can I do the shopping for you? Um, let's hang out, you know, or I can do it on my own without you. Just really objective problem solving. It's like, don't boss them around and tell them what they have. And you don't have to suddenly be like all touchy feely and freak them out. It's like somewhere in the middle, compassionate, but, but solutions, you know, right. We don't come in with a problem. You have anxiety, you have a depression. We come in with noticing changes that we've seen and things that we think we can do that will help that problem. But if we come in and say, you have a problem, it's, it's a non-starter. For most older adults, it may work in some, but for my experience has been it's a non-starter. Yeah, I find that with my parents, I I mean, I don't know if I think they have anxiety or not. I, I have to be honest, I noticed it more when they were younger. I think they actually were people with anxiety, either disorders or just whatever, anxiety at times in their life. I, I see them as less anxious. Maybe, maybe uh, during the pandemic, I think my mom was kind of depressed, which, you know, I understand because she was saying... She was named, she was telling me what that she was very sad at the way she felt the elderly people were being treated in the world. Kind of like, well, if you die, you die, you're old anyway. You know that she felt kind of put out to pasture. And my parents are very active, more active than me. You know, I'm I'm half their age and they're like out and about at the casino every weekend. And so for my mom and dad to be stuck inside the house for a year was challenging for them. Um and you know, I don't think we'd have these in-depth conversations about symptoms and this and that, but we do have those kind of conversations. And I find if I just sort of hug my mom, you know, I mean, the way you, you always, you know, hi, goodbye, hugs, but just kind of out of the blue, like, how you doing? You know, I, I never do that, you know, or I mean, I do that now, but, you know, maybe when she was 50, 60, I wasn't doing that. But um, it does help. I've seen it where they talk about their feelings. And my dad has said things about being kind of, you know, addicted to the news. Like that gets him all riled up in a way that makes him happy. He thinks, you know, and he's like, well, what else am I going to do? I'm old. I'm like, (laughs) you know, that I can see the kind of almost like depression in them. And I don't try. I mean, again, if I thought it was like really bad, I'd probably be more solution oriented, but I just sort of try to validate because I would be depressed too. I, I mean, Getting older, you know, time starts to go by really fast each year. And as my grandmother used to always say to me, she lived until 99, getting older stinks because your mind is is just as active as it was when you're younger, but you can't move anything. And, and so anyway, all this to say that I find that just validation can really help um, if it's kind of a more mild thing where it's like intermittent, you know, depression or just those moments where they're like, God, I feel older. I feel embarrassed that I can't help you with this or that. You're exactly right. You said two things that are perfect. And I don't know if you know how perfectly you've done this. You said, no, you just say to them, <laughs> how are you doing? Or you just say, come here, I'm just going to give you a hug. You're doing, 
you are giving them the soft open space to fall, right? To come to you and say, hey, the pandemic has been really hard for us, increasing social isolation. I don't know how, you know, more than a third of my patients are over the age of 65. I don't know how they came through this. I, it's for our kids, it's the same way, but the isolation, you know, for my newly widowed older patients who were at mm. home alone, I don't know how they got through this. What you've done is perfect, which is really just to, to give them a soft place to fall with their conversations and their concerns. And that's really half the battle right there, because then your mom is going to say, Jen, this has kind of sucked for us. Yeah and, yeah. and I am feeling blue, but I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's the conversation. And then you would say to them, if it wasn't getting any better, you'd say, you're not alone. We can go get help. This is something we can modify or treat. You know, if you started to notice that either of your parent was really struggling. If people have a good relationship with their parents where they kind of know them the way you know yourself, I think you can, right? Would you suggest like, just do something if, if it takes the burden off, do their shopping, clean their house. Just don't even ask because sometimes they won't answer you, right? A thousand percent and present it exactly what you did. Don't say, hey, mom or dad, do you want me to go shopping for you? Say, I'm at the store, chicken or steak, whole milk or right. 2%. So do it like that. And and you did the same thing. I'm booking you, you know, first class, you like aisle or window. So do it like that. And, and it, because if we walk into our parents and say, because remember, these are the people we relied on who raised us. And if we say, do you want me to go to the store for you? They're not going to answer it in the affirmative. So we have to just do what you, you have great instincts about this, but we have to do exactly what, and I, the patients who sit in my office, the older patients say to me, I don't want to put out my, I don't want to put my daughter out. I, you know, she's spending all her time on me. You know, they are worried that we are spending our time on them. But if you say, I'm at the store, you like whole or 2% milk, I'm coming by then, or I'm ordering it for you whole or 2%. So you, we just make the decisions and make it happen and take it off their plate. Is there anything to like, I just was kind of came up with this, like, is there anything to grief um, being the thing underneath it all that causes the irritability or something? Well, I think there is, there's a, there's a change in role. So I would say hmm. the grieving is about the differences in roles, right? So all of a sudden the parent is, you know, who was the patriarch or the matriarch now is concerned that they're becoming a burden to you, to their families. They also feel slightly misunderstood by the quote unquote younger generation. That's what I hear over and over again in the office. Mm. And they really feel like they'll be treated differently if they admit to not coping well. So if we talk about grieving, I would say they grieve the role, right? The role of losing, I'm the matriarch, I'm the patriarch, and now I'm depending on Jen, you know, my son or daughter. And I think similarly for the, for us, these are the people that we looked up to. These are the people that raised us. And we start to say, huh, are we changing roles where we're the caretaker? And so, yes, the grieving and sort of bereavement, I would say, is related to the, the change in roles that occurs naturally. And I think once we just flow into it and have open conversations about it, it's, it's really nice. And then, you know, because what you said, Older adults in my office say to me, this just happened to me yesterday, every day they say, I don't want to be a burden to my children. If I have mm. them finish the sentence, Dr. O, the big, one of the biggest things I'm worried about getting older, they finish the sentence and they say, being a burden to my children. And I, you know, through tears, it makes me choked up, but through tears, yeah. I always say to them, this is what we're here for. We, we are desperate to help you out. You did it all these years. Yeah. We want to help you out. And I try and say them as their doctor your family members are here. The people who love you are dying to surround you and help you out. But it's yeah. really hard to get our older folks to accept that help. Yeah. I mean, I don't have kids of my own and I don't want to. And I'm I'm living in, in New York right now. My family's in Massachusetts and I'm sort of living on both coasts. But I'm like, you know, eventually, I, I mean, I prefer the East Coast, but I'm like, I, I, I think I'll move back to New York permanently so I can be closer to my family. And as they're getting older, I've never said that out loud to them. You know what I mean? Isn't that funny? And, you know, with COVID, a lot of people moved back home, you know, and, and start to say, wait, why aren't I staying closer to my parents? A lot of folks, I think, think the way you do and haven't articulated it. And that's okay. And that's why this sentence, you know, you've always helped me. I think yeah. it's time I helped you out is, is really effective for the older people I take. When they hear that from their sons and daughters, it's really effective. That one sentence. If you said, I'm going to move closer to you. You'll watch your parents will say, I don't know. Does that work for you? I don't, is that okay? Is that okay? But you just say, you've always helped me out. It's time for me to help you out. 
We'll be right back. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at go.tcl.com slash TCL Roku TV. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. So I wanted to ask you just some like factoids that uh, I got from reading your article. So Let's say an elderly person is experiencing some anxiety. It's not that they have an anxiety disorder, but for whatever reason, they're experiencing anxiety. But they're not going to go to therapy necessarily um, because, you know, maybe that's just not what they need. What are some, like, great coping tools? Is it different for seniors than it is for everybody else? Yes. So, I, you know, when we think of coping mechanisms for you and I, we think of support from others, you know, being social, going out, or engaging in activities. And if I'm an older person, either, you know, living in a skilled nursing facility or I'm not driving anymore, I have limited mobility, you know, limited physical activity. I'm not surrounded by the people who love me. Those coping mechanisms are going to be much different. The way that I approach this conversation with my 65 and over group who's experiencing some anxiety, instead of saying, hey, get on the Headspace app or the Aura app, because they're (laughs) going to look at me like I'm crazy is I say, we're going to go after this, these, these anxiety symptoms, the same way we go after preserving memory. So it's like brain health because Mm. older folks are afraid of dementia and memory issues. And we know that anxiety is tied to that. So anxiety disorders are a risk factor for memory and cognitive decline issues. So I'll say to Mm. my older folks, here's the multi-prong approach we're going to use to combat some of your anxiety. And it's going to help your brain and your memory as well. So no real magic here, but exercise. So both aerobic and strength training, that's real. That's not voodoo. And you can be, you know, God bless you in a wheelchair and I can find home physical therapy or home occupational therapy who's going to give you an exercise regimen. So exercise, both aerobic and strength training. Mindfulness, that word means nothing to my older patients. So Mm -hmm. you have to say, what does mindfulness mean for you? How do you have quiet time in your space, in your head alone? whether it's, mm. you know, prayer, hot baths, candles, what, you know, time in nature, walking. So mindfulness, whatever it means to them. And then, you know, the third thing really is cognitive training. And by that, mm. we mean, you know, using your brain in different ways. So coping mechanisms for anxiety in older patients is really exercise, 
mindfulness, and cognitive training. Those are the things that have data to show us that they're going to help you lessen your anxiety symptoms and improve your memory and lower your risk of dementia and cognitive decline. So if you're at home on your own and you're not working with, you know, a a therapist or some kind of, I don't know what, someone with the brain, like someone doing cognitive coaching, would that be like doing crossword puzzles or some kind of, you know, those books they make for um, people who are trying to get their brain functions? um, Exactly. You know, like post-stroke or something? Right. It's using your brain in a different way. So if I was an accountant and I was retired, doing my taxes won't count for this, right? So it'll be, you know, that's the example I always give. It'll be using your brain in a new way. So puzzles, uh, learning basic Italian, joining a bridge group online, you know, something that you haven't done before. So training your mind to do new things. You can also do, you know, a lot of my older patients do, you know, they do Wordle and they do the games that you can get online, but anything where you're using your brain in your head in a different way, a new way. Like for me, it would be doing something non-medicine, like learning to play guitar or something like that. That is the, that's what the brain loves. So it sounds like it's a lot less about, let's figure out where this anxiety came from and let's blah, blah, blah. It's really just seems like it's about strengthening the brain, keeping the body um, healthy, but also, I guess, for the nervous system to keep the, keep it out of our bodies, you know, decrease stress, maybe help with blood pressure. It's really a more of a um, physical and, and kind of brain health. And, and it's less like emotional anxiety, if that makes sense. Exactly. So late life anxiety is, is, is really characterized. I mean, it's associated with chronic illness, disability, caregiver status, social isolation, things you and I can't change, right? Yeah. So, so we, then we say, okay, I mean, I don't, I never want to sound doomy, like getting old sucks because it doesn't, but you're dealing with a lot of challenges that lead to some anxiety symptoms. So the obvious things, chronic illness, disability, isolation, you're a caregiver. You and I can't change that for those people, but what we can do is try and improve the way that they can handle or manage those symptoms. And really it sounds so basic and maybe unhelpful, but it's those things we talked about. It's, it's whatever your path to mindfulness is, it's exercise, it's cognitive mm-hmm. training. It's, you know, and again, it is trying to increase your social network, but that's a tall order in our older folks. Right. I know that's really challenging. I you know it doesn't sound basic and unhelpful, but I know what you mean. It, it's, it's like that classic simple, but maybe not easy, you know, because someone doesn't want to you know, get started in it. But I feel like every episode of this podcast, it always comes down to these basic things and in a good way, basic. And I think people just need to hear it over and over, hear it in different ways, hear it from different people, hear it in different situations, because it's it's almost astounding to think that these sometimes powerful feelings we have, whether they're thoughts or bodily sensations, it's, it's hard to believe there's a solution and that it's like, actually doable and you don't have to be rich and you don't have to be smart and you don't have to be in tune with your feelings. Like you can just, anyone can do them. Exactly. And I will say this because I'm, I'm an internist who does write prescriptions. So it does deserve a conversation that, that the, you know, the low dose antidepressants, the SSRIs and SNRIs Mm. are effective in our older folks who have, you know, generalized anxiety disorder, excessive worry on, on more days than they don't. So we also mm. want to say, look, if these coping mechanisms have failed us, it's not screw you, you're on your own. We do have, you know, medications do help. And and we keep a close eye on our folks who are on a lot of different medications, but they do help. Cognitive behavioral therapy is sort of a discussion about whether or not it helps. In older folks, it looks fair, not not terrific. And my older folks are sort of, have been sort of resistant to that. But I I, I have respect for CBT. And I think for our patients who are our older patients who are willing to do it, we should do it. But there are options when these coping mechanisms haven't worked. So there are medications that help. Um, The problem that I see every week, again, in practice, because I take care of families is someone comes in and goes, you got to give my mom a medication for anxiety. You got to give my mom a medication for sleep. And I always go, wait, 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 let's not start there. But it doesn't mean that I'm dissing it or dismissing it. It just means that the things you and I were talking about, which take time, do work. So we just have to sort of get people on board. It is not as easy as swallowing a pill. 
Um, and, and again, no disrespect to the pills because they do work in certain people, but you, we have to start with the hard work, which is what we talked about. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that there's an anxiety risk factor for dementia. Now, does that mean if you had anxiety your whole life, you're more at risk to get dementia? Is that what that means? Yes. So it works mm. both ways. So, so anxiety is a risk factor for the development of cognitive decline in dementia and anxiety is an early symptom of dementia. So the relationship is tricky. But yes, so long-term generalized anxiety disorder, you know, we see actual changes in the brain and those changes lead to cognitive decline, which is another reason why I always say to patients treating, and by treating, we talked about those coping mechanisms. It doesn't always mean a pill, but treating anxiety Mm -hmm. is a no-brainer because it's going to decrease your risk of cognitive decline. It's just like any other illness. So we do need to address generalized anxiety disorder in our older folks, just as we do depression because anxiety does lead to, it is a risk, a well-described, well-known risk factor for cognitive decline in dementia. So if someone never had anxiety, but they start having it maybe in their late 60s, that could be a sign of that they're going to develop um, cognitive decline or dementia. Exactly. And whenever I say that, it sounds really terrifying and doomy, but it could Mm -hmm. be that anxiety is the earliest, you know, we call it a prodrome or the earliest symptom of of memory impairment or cognitive decline could be anxiety. So I guess I would say that not to be doomy, but more to say it needs to be addressed. So if you're a family member and you see your mom or your dad with anxiety symptoms, irritability, not sleeping, you know, Mm. not themselves, you do, we do need to say, Hey, maybe we should just pop in and see your doctor and just talk about what I'm noticing and what you're feeling and see if there's something we can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. And what about sleep? Because I know that the older people in my life, you know, they can't stay asleep as long anymore. Um, my parents' sleeping hours have changed. My mom falls asleep. She might fall asleep on the couch at like 10, but then she's up and then she's up all night and then falls back asleep at like five in the morning and sleeps in now, like sleeps till nine or 10, you know, or they only get four hours of sleep a night and they're like, I, my body's just awake. I don't, I'm fine. I just sleep less. So like if someone's sleeping less or weirder, but otherwise they feel okay, is that cause for concern? Or is that just as we get older, bizarre things happen with our sleep? So you're, you're so good, Jen. So yeah. So sleep, <laughs> Sleep architecture changes as we're older. So what you mm-hmm. described, so your mom's, I, we say sleep architecture, think about her, her sort of pattern during the night. Okay. If that's been her pattern during the night, but she still wakes up feeling restored, that's quote unquote okay. Because it's, there's no question that in the elderly sleep architecture changes. Disrupted sleep is, is commonly associated with anxiety. And that is also a risk factor for cognitive decline, not to again, be doomy, but yeah. That would be where your mom comes and says to you, you know, I've, I've always been able to get my nice chunks of restorative sleep after I leave the couch and I wake up okay. But lately it's been, you know, two hours and I'm just feeling worn out during the day and exhausted. So if you see a change in that, you know, disrupted sleep pattern, I, it, then it needs to be addressed and you need to say, hey, mom or dad, could some of this be anxiety. Anxiety in the elderly and honestly in younger folks as well is commonly mm. associated with insomnia. And that's why, to add another topic here, it, it is vexing to see, but what physicians like me do that is wrong is treat our older patients with sleep medications and benzodiazepines like Xanax and Ativan. So oh, yeah. we yeah. can't, because it's easy, because I yeah. can say, I'm going to get Jen's mom to sleep tonight. I know how to yeah. do it, and I'm going to write the prescription. What's hard is talking about trying to do the stuff we talked about to improve sleep pattern and sleep hygiene. That's hard. Those are long conversations. They take a lot of time. So physicians, we, what we do wrongly is prescribe medications for disrupted sleep and anxiety in this population that leads to falls and fall risk and worsening memory. Now, I know that if I only slept, if I sleep less than eight hours, I'm a mess. And so I'm just so tired, I can't recover. But, uh, you know, again, I've, I've heard and seen as people get older, like sometimes they just get five hours and they're restored and they're fine. Is that true, I guess? I mean, can they exist on less sleep and it doesn't affect them uh, in terms of like being susceptible to a fall or having irritability or anxiety? It is true. I mean, so so it's what we've always noticed. You know, older folks wake up a lot earlier. Their, their, their sleep architecture does change and they mm-hmm. need 
less sleep. So you and I might need eight hours of restorative chunks of sleep. That's not going to be true for our older folks. The best way to figure out is how the person feels. So if I have a 72-year-old who's been sleeping six hours a night for the last eight years and says he or she feels great, and doesn't have it, you know, doesn't feel zonked or exhausted during the day or irritable or concentration difficulties, you know, where people say, I feel like my memory is just shot when I haven't gotten enough sleep. That's sleep, disrupted sleep, or that's, you know, that's a problem. So if people notice they don't feel good when they wake up because they haven't slept well, that's an issue. But if they're done five to six hours of, of what for them is restorative and they wake up feeling restored, that's okay. That's my one thing about getting older. I'm looking forward to if that happens to me. I'm like, that'd be great because sometimes I want more hours in the day. <laughs> right. We'll continue the interview on the flip side of a quick message from our sponsors. Most TVs are smart nowadays, but with busy home screens and remotes with too many or too few buttons, smart shouldn't mean complicated. That's why Roku TV is the smart TV made easy. The customizable home screen puts your inputs, streaming favorites like iHeart, and free live TV all in one place. From simple settings anyone can understand, automatic updates with the latest features, and much more, Roku TV is more than a smart TV. It's a better TV. Learn more today at Roku.com. Happy streaming. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. So I think we may have covered this with, with kind of the coping mechanisms, but just to really spell it out. Are there differences, are there stark differences in anxiety symptoms of elderly people with anxiety as opposed to a teenager or a 20-something, you know, with anxiety? Yes, uh, quite a bit. So, so our older folks, first of all, minimize the symptoms and attribute them to a physical illness more often. So they'll come in and say, like, I think it's just my stomach, but I feel like, I, you know, my appetite's gone. So they'll do that. So we know that Older folks just aren't as good as describing their symptoms that are related to anxiety. They minimize their symptoms and they attribute them to a physical illness more often than our younger folks do. What's also very cool is we don't, you know, panic disorder, panic attacks are associated with anxiety do not really happen in the elderly, probably because of the changes with our central and peripheral nervous system. So my 20-year-olds coming in with that fight or flight panicky, chest pressure, shaking. We don't, we don't see that in our older patients with anxiety. So we don't see the panic symptoms associated with anxiety that we do in our younger folks. And that's because their nervous systems, is it just like, to put it in a like non-medical way, like you just kind of slow down when you get older or what is that? 
Simply put, pretty much, yeah. Our yeah. central and peripheral nervous system are different. They just don't respond. There's a lot less panic disorder generally in older patients than there are in younger patients. So it, it is, it's probably, I mean, honestly, it's probably a good coping mechanism that the nervous system just does not respond in the same way. Because can you imagine having a 72-year-old who's like, oh, I'm having chest pressure, shortness of breath, shaking, we oh would be God. going crazy. Like it's a heart attack. Oh my God, admit to the ER. When it's a 20-year-old who can describe to me, you know, this happened to me two weeks ago, I'm having a panic attack. Then I, you know, I know that I know exactly what that is, but we just don't see that in older folks with anxiety. So there's some really interesting differences in the way that they present. I mean, I think, you know, in our older folks, somatic or body complaints related to anxiety are common palpitations, dizziness, vertigo. But the most important thing for family members to remember, and I hope they do remember this, is let us decide. So come in and, and talk to the doctor about those symptoms. But that's why you can say to your mom, mom, maybe this is anxiety, but let's just talk. Let's just list what's going on. You have palpitations, you feel dizzy. Let's just see what the doctor thinks. And we absolutely can't attribute everything to anxiety. I've, I've met so many people who are in and out of the ER told they had anxiety and they had something else going on. So, mm -hmm. so as important as anxiety is, let's make sure that we also ensure there is no underlying medical explanation for those symptoms. And that's another reason to bring folks into the primary care doctor when when you're noticing changes that in your parents. On the flip side of that, do you think most primary care doctors for elderly patients are trained in the sensitive situation of they're coming in and you're really not finding anything physical and you have to suggest maybe this is kind of like a somatic response to anxiety? It's tricky. So it's, uh, it, it is tricky. I mean, I, I know that for my colleagues, I'm in a huge practice and I know for my colleagues, what we always do is we come and we say, we have ruled out the sinister explanations. You know, your heart looks great. Your lungs look great. So we do a reassurance. And then we describe for people, you know, because my patients will say, so you're saying this is all in my head. Mm. It is, but the, what you're feeling, the physiologic manifestations are real. So you really are feeling sweats and vertigo and palpitations. You really are feeling it as a result of this underlying storm. And the storm is, is anxiety. So it's the way you approach it because it's, I would never walk in and say, this is all in your head. It's anxiety. You've got nothing going on. It's, it's about reassurance that there's no other underlying medical explanation. And also just letting older patients know what you're feeling. Those symptoms are real. They're just yeah. triggered. Those are the physiologic manifestations of anxiety. Yeah. I think, I think it's really just like only younger people are starting to grasp that where it's like, it's in your, like, yes, your brain and thoughts are causing these physical things because our mind and body are connected, but it's not in your head like, oh, you know, it's not like the 1800s, like this woman's hysterical, you know, it's like, exactly. it's real. You're yeah. just going to just wish it away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. If an older person, elderly person does actually want to seek a therapist about anxiety and they've never been before, do you have any advice for what kind of therapist they should go to? Do you think it, it should be someone that is practiced in working with elderly patients? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I target those working with elderly patients as much, but what yeah. I do, so what we know helps is, is cognitive behavioral therapy targeting the uncontrolled and excessive worry, worry. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not a therapist, I'm an internist, but I refer a ton of my patients. So I have them find, start with a cognitive behavioral therapist because we know that that helps. Um, and then really most importantly, I look at, you know, are there options for telephone or telemed connections? Because then that eliminates our older person having to get there, especially if they're not driving. Do they do appointment reminders in between appointments? I also look at that. So, and, and of course, of course, most importantly, do you resonate with the person you're with? But I look for someone who is a cognitive behavioral therapist who can focus on anxiety. I don't know that I've looked for targeting in the older population, but that's a really good point. And then I look for accessibility. How easy is that person to reach with telephone or telemedicine? Do they send reminders to my, my patient in between? Because oh, when right. you're 76, it's hard yeah. to get in. Yeah. And it's hard to, to get on a Zoom link or, you know, do we have access to telephone? So how much support is there in between those appointments? Right. If they're like, just find me on the app. And they're like, I don't know what an you're app like, is. What? Like, yeah. <laughs> huh? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And you said that there was some point that I picked up on in something you, you wrote is that anxiety, anxiety, oh God, the anxiety doesn't necessarily become more common with age. So it's not like, oh, everyone's getting anxious about getting older. <laughs> like I, that was kind of good to hear. 
It is good to hear. I know because we all think, okay, aging sucks. But the the incidence of generalized anxiety disorder is actually less, a little bit less in the older population than the younger population. And there are a lot of anxiety syndromes that are much less common. You know, specific phobias sort of vanish with the exception of, of fear of falling. Hmm. Social phobia disorder sort of vanishes. Panic disorder sort of vanishes. And I don't want to say vanishes, but over the age of 65, a new diagnosis of those anxiety syndromes is really unusual. So mm. a lot of the anxiety syndromes burn out and, and don't occur newly in our older folks. And generalized anxiety disorder does, but it's, it is it is a slightly lower incidence than it is in our younger population. You know, I'm also wondering, this is more of like a philosophical thought, but I know when I was younger in my 20s, my anxiety and panic were way worse, even in my 30s. And I, when I hear from younger people, um, there's a lot of like, yeah, yeah, I listen to your podcast, but nothing you say works for me because I don't know what I graduated in a recession or there's, you know, the pandemic or what I like. There's all these like world problems that that definitely affect, but there's not a lot of perspective. And I don't mean that to sound dismissive, but there isn't that like personal perspective of I've been through blank and blank and blank because they're they're young. So they're 10 year ago memories when they were 12. But is there something to getting older where um, maybe therapy, whatever the therapy is, whether it's like what you said, um, they see a, a CBT cognitive behavioral therapist, or they do more exercise and do more, you know, puzzles and connection with others that it's like a little easier to, to wrangle because they're, they're, even if they're resistant to therapy, like it's not something that's been in their life. Do they not have as many like, but it's worse for me because like do they have more perspective. Does that help at all? Like, oh, I remember this hard time when I was 50 or when I was 30 or I got to imagine it's, that helps. Yeah, it's got to be. And I don't know if the, you know, if there are, I think you and I are just guessing on this, but yeah. there's got to be something to that, right? There's got to be something that's allowing our older folks to cope or at least say, well, it's not a heart attack and it's not, you know, it's not insulin dependent diabetes and it's not. So there's got to be something that's allowing them to minimize in a good way, you know, yeah. some of the anxiety symptoms or, or allowing them to cope. And I just, I think it's an unidentified thing, but I think that's exactly why we see that anxiety doesn't necessarily increase with age is that there's got to be something about perspective and experience that allows you to cope in a way that a 20 something can't. I think they've endured more and seen that they can come out on the other end when you're older. And I think also it's perspective. Exactly right. It's, it's, you know, my 85 to, I, I have many patients who are in their high nineties now, which is, which is fun, but they don't, you know, they're just stoked to be able to still see and hear and move around and be surrounded by people who love them. So, you know, yes, there's gotta be something that, that happens with aging that allows you to put all of this into perspective. And, and you've endured so much and come out on the other end. And that's gotta be an unidentified coping mechanism. Right. It's almost like it a smidge of gratitude that's like just naturally happening. Um, so I was surprised by this, that, that I had read that you said that, um, in your experience, um, generalized anxiety is more common among women than men, older women, especially if they're widowed or divorced. I don't know why that surprised me. I think I'm just going to give my personal anecdotes for why is that when I was a kid on my street, four houses across the street, four widows, who were thriving. And all I did, I didn't go to nursery school. I would jump from widow's house to widow's house and like, you know, watch game shows and have tea and all that. And to me, I mean, not like they were going to tell me about their anxiety. I was a kid, but to me, I just remember thinking like, wow, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're older, if you marry a man, he dies first. And then you get this like second fabulous life where you just like do whatever you want. And I always think of women as a little more capable in that sense, right? Especially from that generation where they know how to cook clean. So take care of things. And I think of men like, oh God, if the wife dies first, like I'm being funny, but I really mean it. They remarry someone younger, you know, they die right away. They're just a mess. And I, I'm, so I was surprised that the women would have anxiety because I would think it would be the men because they don't know what they're doing. Totally just generalizing. But I think you're generalizing right. And I'm going to be, I'm careful here because I say this from a place of love for taking care of so many older women, but I believed what you believe. And I think, you know, they have older life expectancy. 
honestly, they, they're coming in, driving their husbands in that, you know, they look so much more capable and then bless their hearts when they lose their partner, especially if I take care of both of them. I, and I, you know, of course we grieve it. And I say, don't you feel, is, don't you feel slight relief though? He is, you know, no longer suffering and, and they just look at me and their purpose is gone. And oh, that over and over sense. again, I'm just shocked, you know, it, it, and I don't, I, again, I say this from a place of huge love. So I don't mean any disrespect to my older women. They, uh, they seem so independent. They seem like Renaissance women. Their purpose is, is gone. And it's not just that they don't know how to pay the mortgage or where or how much it is or where the checkbook is. And that does exist in, in yeah. our, the older generation, but it's got, you know, women feel things deeply and that's why, and I'm probably because we're some, some of us are parents, but I think their purpose in a lot of ways is gone and they just feel like the rug was pulled out from underneath them. And I see that over and over again in, in my older women who I thought would hit the ground running, right. Yeah. Volunteering in Huntington library and still playing tennis and they lose their mate and they, the rug was just pulled out from underneath them. I don't know what that is. You know, I, I, and again, it goes to your mom speaking about hormones and whatnot. And I I don't know what that is about us and child rearing or, or whether it's hormonal, but we women have more anxiety disorders as as we're older. and, And it usually is tied to some bereavement and loss of a partner. I think it's being alone all of a sudden and, you know, maybe not being as financially savvy And again, I think the caretaker role in when it's taken away is, is a loss for, for some of my older female patients. And, and I mean, look, my male patients fall apart as well when they lose their female partners. I mean, I, not to say that they don't, but there is women just struggle with a little bit more anxiety over the age of 65 than men. Anxiety Bites will be right back after a quick little message from one of our sponsors. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at go.tcl.com slash TV. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. So another thing is you said older adults, there is a sub, like there could be a substance abuse disorder. Like that does coexist sometimes in, in the elderly. 
so depressing because we're seeing an increased rate of that. And it's, it's honestly, it's our fault. It's physician's fault. So because of the problems we've just been talking about, you know, disrupted sleep and anxiety, mm. we prescribe, uh, you know, a lot of benzodiazepines, which is like Xanax, Valium, Ativan, and opioids for our older folks who are in pain. And we're actually seeing more opioid and benzodiazepine substance disorders in our older folks. And it's usually for anxiety. Because if someone comes in like, I'm stressed, I can't sleep, we're prescribing Xanax or Ativan. So mm. there is, you know, this is true for the for younger folks too, but there is a connection with substance abuse disorders and anxiety in the elderly. And sadly, it's increasing rather than decreasing because we are free to write prescriptions. Be I mean, we freely write them, I think, because it's easier to do that than to talk about what we've spent time talking about, which are those right. tools for coping. So it's a it's an us problem. And yeah. um, there's no question that we're seeing an increased risk of of elderly folks being treated for substance abuse. And usually it's prescription medications that we've given and often in response to some anxiety symptoms and disrupted sleep. So that could be something for children of elderly people to keep an eye on. You know, if there is, if they are talking to their parents about sleep and their doctor's a little bit, you know, script happy, it's like maybe just, you know, just being aware of that, that, that they don't even want to start to go down that road in that sense. Please keep an eye on it. And it's, yeah. it, you know, that's, and it's, Again, when we talk about keeping an eye on it, I, I want to make sure I, that that people know I'm fine if family members write a little note, send an email, wait in the waiting room to see if they can just talk to me quickly after I'm in the room with their mom or dad. So you can do that. And, and it's not annoying or disruptive. And because we see someone for a very quick snapshot in time in the office, and what you see, Jen, with your mom and dad is much more helpful we don't mind input from family members. So I want people to know that. I don't care if you pass me a little note or you talk to me in the hallway or you say, can I have two minutes after you're done with my mom or dad? It may feel like we're rushed and sometimes we are, but it's mm -hmm. that is really helpful. And I think for, for family members knowing their, yeah, the medication list of their parents because their parents might not know. I'm taking, I'm taking Xanax every night to sleep and it's been working great. And yeah. it's good for us to keep an eye on that, us as family members. That's good to know that that some doctors are amenable to that because, you know, it's like you could come into the room and talk to the doctor on behalf of your mom for two minutes and, and be like, oh, did my mom do that thing where she made 50 jokes? Yes, yeah, she does that. But actually, that's because she's um, needs to look perfect in front of doctors. But really what she told me is every night she's hyperventilating. So it's need you to know, you know, it's like, but it's a slippery slope. You don't want someone barging in like, you don't know what you're doing, you know, but it's like to give information that normally we think of like, that's confidential, but seems like that could be important the way again you would take care of a, a kid in a way so important and i think it goes back to respecting your mom or dad's independence but giving helpful information it is so important for for memory issues for you know anxiety behaviors you're seeing for depressive behaviors you're seeing it's so important for us to hear from family members because what we're getting in the 20 minute visit in the office isn't always the full story so it, it is, it's imperative that family members weigh in if they feel like there's something wrong. And any physician who seems irritated by that, find a new physician. I, well, that's perfect advice to end on. Thank you so much, Sharon, for doing my show. This is going to be really helpful. I hope everyone who wrote in about this topic is full of new information. I know that I am for sure. Hi, I hope you enjoyed my talk with Sharon Orange. Dr. Sharon Orange. So let's look at some of the takeaways. And these, again, are up, as always, on my website. You can click the link in the show notes or go to jenkirkman.com, and then you can just click on Anxiety Bites from there. And you can read along or forward it to someone, whatever you want to do. But here are the big takeaways to remember from this episode. So... Only one in five elderly adults will bring up the topic of mental health on their own in any conversation with a health professional. Some older people don't want to admit to having anxiety because they're afraid that their families will lose faith in them if they see that they're not coping. The biggest mistake that younger people or middle-aged people can make when addressing anxiety in their elderly friends or relatives is trying to help, but not respecting the independence of their elderly friend or relative. The conversation must be approached with patience and compassion rather than trying to control the situation by declaring, you have anxiety. 
That, that's probably a good rule of thumb when talking to anybody of any age, really. A way to bring up a conversation about mental health with the older adult in your life is to focus on any changes you've noticed and start there. Some examples are you don't seem like yourself. You seem more tired than usual. You seem irritable. I noticed that your sleep has been disrupted. It's important for children of elderly parents who have anxiety or depression to approach the conversation by reminding them that anxiety and depression is like any other health issue. There are treatments available and let's go talk to a doctor about it. And you can start by talking to an internist. You don't have to start with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. If the doctor is as great as Dr. Sharon Orange, then they should be able to point you in the right direction. And it may not even be that the elderly person in your life needs to go to traditional therapy, but it may be other things that they need to start doing, whether it's learning how to delegate more and let their children do things for them and really understand and hear their children that it's not a burden, you know, whether it's they need to do more puzzles and mind exercises or expand their social circle in any way that they can that's safe for them. But it doesn't always involve cognitive behavior therapy and talk therapy the way that the anxiety that younger middle-aged people have uh, tends to need that in order to help people get out of the uh, underwater feeling that they're in. When talking to older adults about anxiety as opposed to younger people, the focus should not be on just feelings. The focus needs to be changed to trying to figure out some objective problem solving like running errands or simply letting parents know that you're there to help after all they took care of you for so long. Coping mechanisms that help with anxiety in older adults will differ than ones that younger adults will use. For example, an older person may live in a nursing facility. They may not be able to drive anymore. They may have limited mobility or limited physical activity, which of course will impact what kinds of exercises they can do to decrease anxiety. So coping mechanisms for anxiety in the elderly involves more concrete tasks like working to improve memory, things related to brain health. Older adults are afraid of dementia and memory issues, and oftentimes their anxiety is simply tied to that. Approaching the elderly with solutions like an iPhone app for mindfulness may not have the same impact as it would on someone younger, but offering for an elderly person to have some quiet time or time for prayer, or hot baths, time in nature, walking, this can help and get the same results without having to discuss mindfulness or some kind of app on a phone that they may not have. Another way that elderly people can cope with anxiety is by doing some cognitive training, like doing puzzles, joining a bridge group, any group online, learning a new language, even doing something quick and simple as doing Wordle every day. A lot of anxiety in older people is tied in with chronic illness, disability, caregiver status, social isolation, things that younger friends and family members really have no control over changing. Anxiety is a risk factor for the development of cognitive decline and dementia. Anxiety is an early symptom of dementia, which it does not mean that because you have anxiety, you will have dementia. Although insomnia is a symptom of anxiety, many elderly people just need less sleep. The focus should not be on how many hours that they're getting of sleep, but, but more about is their sleep restorative? How is their sleep pattern or their sleep hygiene? If they're waking up feeling alert, not exhausted, but they're just getting less hours of sleep, that's not inherently a symptom of anxiety. Older adults tend to minimize their anxiety symptoms and attribute them to a physical illness, like something's wrong with their appetite, and they're not as adept as descri uh, in describing their emotional feelings of anxiety when talking to a doctor. Panic disorders and panic attacks are less common in the elderly due to changes in our central and peripheral nervous system. That's kind of a relief. Anxiety does not become more common with age simply because there are things to worry about like mortality and illness. Generalized anxiety disorder is less common of a diagnosis in the older population than in the younger population. Specific phobias seem to kind of vanish, like a social phobia, for example, or a panic disorder. Over the age of 65, a brand new diagnosis 
of any of those kind of anxiety syndromes is unusual. There is an increased rate of medication addiction in the elderly, so it's important to keep an eye on your parents and talk to their doctor about any unusual behavior or signs of addiction that you may see. Again, you can learn more about Dr. Sharon Orange by clicking the link in the description and the show notes. You can learn more about me by doing the same thing. You can leave a comment on social media at Jen Kirkman on Twitter and also on Instagram. And you can check out the fun little audiograms that I put up from every episode. They are available as well on my YouTube channel. Again, all of this is in the link in the show notes. And I think that's all I'm going to leave you with today. Just remember, anxiety bites, but you're in control. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at go.tcl.com slash TV. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.